0: This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Visit FocusedCarWash.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Henry Lopez and David Begin with you today. We have an interesting episode and topic. David had a, a opportunity recently to attend the Masters Golf Tournament, right? It's called a tournament? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yep. You were at the Masters, uh, I think, in early May. Is that right?
1: That's right. I think it. Yeah. First part of May is where it's at. And it's, and so
0: as as soon as you got back, actually, while you were there, you were calling me, telling me about the experience, and you thought this would make a, a great topic, and I agree. So why don't you just introduce it, tell us about it. This is the first time you had gone, I believe.
1: Yeah, first time I've ever gone. It's certainly a a bucket list type of item that uh, you know you would go to. I mean, I, you don't get much opportunity unless you've got lifetime tickets. And uh, the waiting list, I think the waiting list get on the waiting list is lifetimes right now. So most people can't wow. can't get tickets unless you buy them. So you can buy them from other people that are not using their tickets. And there's all types of companies that, that focus on that. But it's the experience really blew me away. And I'm, I'm kind of into experiences now. And I always translate that to how we run our businesses and what are the experience that people get uh, when they start uh, when they come to our businesses but th- this this puts it at, at a level that I've never seen before I mean I would put it as a sporting event to me it feels like one of the best sporting events you could ever go to because it's a multi-day sporting event which really makes it interesting it builds upon itself uh, so you know Thursday and Friday build build for Saturday and Sunday obviously is the big big uh, climax to the end of the tournament. But it's not like a three-hour event like the Super Bowl would be. Uh, I guess the World Series would be a multi-day event too. Uh, would be cool, but it's just they're they're able to put on such such a show and such an event that I was just totally blown away by the experience. And it's it's re- really interesting. So Augusta National Golf Course kind of touts themselves as really focusing on the tradition of golf. So a lot of golfers are very much into the traditions of golf, the etiquette of golf. Um, Bobby Jones, I think, was one of the builders of Augusta and was very focused on the etiquette part of golfing and the etiquette part of being a spectator. And so that culture has kind of been been permeated throughout Augusta National for even, you know, these many years, even after Bobby Jones is long gone. The whole thing about what's it mean to be a spectator? What's it mean to be a player? And uh, how to make sure that you focus on the rules of golf and the etiquette of golf the story goes that he actually wrecked some relationships. He was such a competitive golfer and he's one of the few golfers. I think I'm going to, I'm going to say this wrong. A golfer might correct me, but he's, he's one of the few guys to win like three different championships in the same year. And he was an amateur. He wasn't even a professional golfer. So he he was a great golfer. He was an attorney, but uh, you know, he kind of kept his amateur status, but He actually wrecked some relationships based on his competitiveness of golf. And I think there was an epiphany moment that he had that made him say, you know, golf has got to be a civilized sport. It's got to be civilized from the player's perspective. It's got to be civilized from the spectator's perspective. And so that's kind of, Augusta National kind of holds himself up as a standard bearer for their, for the traditions of golf. And we'll kind of talk about that and why, why that's the case here a little later on, but. So just, just even going there was just impressive. So the drive-in was very easy, lots of people working. So I believe they have it during the spring break week. So they have, they coincided with spring break there in Augusta. So there's tons of volunteers. So people are available to volunteer. I think they have over 1500 people who volunteer to help out every year. And I'm sure they go through extensive training on, on what the purpose of the golf tournament is what the, uh, you know, how they want to treat people. But even in the parking lot, it was amazing. Cause I would imagine most people that go, um, you know, a good, fair number of people just go once or twice in their life. And then, you know, there's the members, but, but, uh, you know, the people that go for the first time and might not get to go back, you know, they're really there to try to make a great experience for them. So as we're parking our car, for example, the people that are parking the car saying, welcome to the masters, welcome to the masters, you know, things like that, that you normally wouldn't expect parking attendants to do. You know, welcome today. We're going to have a great day today. You know, there's there's just always those comments that are going on uh, by the people as you're walking up to where the entrance is. Um, And so, and then they actually have you wait um, at the entrance. At about 730, they start letting certain, you know, they let maybe two or 300 people in. And you got to go through a check-in process where they check your credentials. You go through the security. Everybody is super polite. Hey, are you excited about today? They're always asking you questions and they're kind of building on that momentum the excitement of actually going to the masters, which is absolutely amazing. Um, so you're feeling on top of the world when you get in there and then you get into this place and it's, it's one of the most pristine. It's almost like Disneyland in terms of its pristineness for the buildings. Um, the landscaping was unbelievable. I mean, the the focus that they go through and everything they do really focuses around, you know, the week or two of the masters, in terms of when they they have they expect their landscaping to peak, when they expect the azaleas to peak, um, you know there was not a there was just nothing that felt like it was out of place when you're there, and then the buildings are beautiful, and then, you know certain buildings are hidden from view from the from the uh, from the spectators, and and the other thing I will say is they actually call the spectators patrons, which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting term. So when they're referring to the people who are attending the golf tournament, they're referred to as patrons, which connotates a a little bit different expectation from a patron than just somebody who's a spectator or a fan. Right, right. So, is this is this a show put on
0: by the Masters in conjunction with Augusta National? What I'm trying to get is, would you be able to discern where that was the staff? Those were people that don't usually work for Augusta. they were either volunteers or hired for the event. Is that right? Yeah, from what you were able to gather. Yeah, they're
1: they're volunteers. So they're they're, they're yeah. typically people, that, and they actually come from all over the country to volunteer. They're, most of them are from yeah. Augusta, but people come to volunteer from all over the all over the country.
0: So I, I want to touch on that because it's an interesting concept that, as to how we try to translate this as we go through this experience to our businesses. They, they obviously then are, are bringing in fans, I would, I would say, generally speaking. So these people that they have, first of all, they're there for a short period of time, right? So the enthusiasm can stay pretty high. They don't burn out because they're not there long enough, although I'm sure they're working hard, long days. And I suspect they were there like you alluded to ahead of time for training, and maybe they, you know, maybe the volunteers have done it before and get preference, I don't know. But the point is, they're enthusiastic, they're probably fans of the event and of the sport. As I think about how we translate to our businesses, one of the things that we've tried to do is to hire personality, sometimes over skill set, and we've talked about this in previous episode, especially our series of episodes on hiring, that you can go back to and listen, but do you think that that's one of the takeaways is that they're bringing on people, either volunteers or employees, who have a customer focus, who care about that, who are enthusiastic about communicating with people?
1: Yeah, I think they do. And and I think the people that do want to do it, I would imagine they've got more volunteers than they need.
0: I'm sure. But-
1: they They get people, so I think the premise is they believe in what they're doing. they believe in this whole tradition yes. of golf, they believe in the masters tournament they believe in augusta they they believe in what augusta stands for It's an extremely exclusive golf club i mean there's only a few hundred members, and you've gotta be asked to join. you can't apply to join, you can't pay to join you've got to be asked to join um augusta so it's a it's really exclusive exclusive membership um but, you know, that whole core beliefs and what they do, I think, is what attracts people to it.
0: The other thing you touched on was the the how immaculate the place is, the attention to detail. The timing, of course, is critical. They, everything is at its best showing. But that attention to detail is another thing that we've talked about in previous episodes and when I've interviewed people and you have. And it's something we try to apply, right? And, and it's, again, I, I get it from my Disney influences. This had a big impact on you. But talk to me about how you know we, we've we always tried to apply that in our business, sometimes, sometimes maybe to our detriment, certainly ad nauseum, but I, I think it's a key component of being successful
1: in business is that attention to the details. Yeah, I think if you're passionate about what you do and you believe in what you do, then I think the attention to details come. I think you're interested in the attention to details and you're excited about implementing the attention to details. I think people that are not excited about the business or don't care, I guess Mm -hmm. don't care about the operational aspect of it, you know, or or I I think that's why a lot of people don't care about details. Um, Yeah. But it it was amazing. I mean, everything they did, I think, and and because my radar is pretty high when it comes to attention to details, I think I noticed some things maybe that, that uh, most people didn't. So give you some examples of things that kind of impressed me of the restrooms, getting people through the restrooms. They've got volunteers that work the restrooms to tell people, you know, if if you're a man, you need to use the urinal. Hopefully it's okay language. You know, you can go this direction if you need to use (laughs) other facilities, go this direction. They're always telling people when there's open spaces. There could be an incredibly long line, but they're getting through, those people are getting in quickly, right? And the guys are so friendly. The ones that work the restrooms are chatting it up, talking to the patrons. How's it going? You enjoying the tournament? I mean, it's just amazing. You're sitting there in line, you know, and, and you're having a great conversation with the volunteers that are helping you get through this process as quick as possible, which I thought was really, really yeah. cool.
0: So a couple of things there I want to jump into. Of course, the one is that they have it so well organized. They've got systems in place. They they have thought about these things. It's not just, oh, well, there are the restrooms and people just have to fight through them. No, they they actually care about that experience. But the comment, again, that you just made about the employees being friendly Part of it is that's not what they have been doing for the last six months nonstop. So they're not burned out, right? They're enthusiastic. And I want to keep coming back to that point because we don't have the luxury of doing that necessarily in our businesses. But one thing that we can do is to make sure that we, as much as we can, rotate people amongst positions so that we lessen that burnout, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and we move people around so that they're challenged and they're always to the best that we can, you know, at a car wash, there's only so many positions, but we can apply it if we stop and think about it to try to keep things as fresh as possible from the employee perspective. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think if you've got people that have a genuine interest, if you, if you're in the people profession, if you're in a job where you've got to deal with people, I think having people that enjoy dealing with people, I think makes a big difference. I think when you're hiring people that don't like people or have difficulty working with people, I think it's going to be more of a struggle uh, in that regard. So, you know, hiring people that have the right, the right mindset, the right aptitude, I would say is important. I think it's difficult to make somebody who doesn't enjoy being around people, making them a high customer service person. I think it's going to be difficult. You got to, you got to have that love for the person and say, what can I do to make their day better? What can I do to help them? Those are the the right type of person with the right mindset and the right aptitude will uh, it'll create energy for them as opposed to draining their energy. Right, hiring the right people,
0: and then and then I think it's also about the culture and the environment. So we often can fall into the trap of keeping people because they're highly competent, or it's the only person we have that knows this or the other, or it's it's my key maintenance person, whatever the situation might be. But if they've got like you said, if they lack that, if they're not a people person, if they they're not friendly, if they're not happy with themselves and their lives, that then creates an environment that's the opposite of what you experienced at the masters where people hate their work environment. And so, yeah, in some in some businesses that's harder than others. I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but but I think that's something that sometimes we lose focus on. Right.
1: Right. No, I would I would agree with that. I would agree. So You know, it can be challenging day after day to take care of customers and to have that attitude, but there are people out there that do it and people out there that like it. And it's important for us to find those people who are good at it. Agreed.
0: This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Whether you are a new investor, or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements, the experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to FocusedCarWash.com. I think you had mentioned you have uh, 10 things and we may have touched on some of them, but uh, what are some of those other things?
1: Yeah, so the, the restroom workers, I'll talk about some other details and I'll talk about, you know, even as accommodating as they are, they've got some pretty strict rules that uh that are that are followed and 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 kind of impressive how the the crowd sort of sort of follows those rules but uh so they've got tv towers so each hole has got like two or three tv towers uh that are permanently located there because obviously you know the big the big week for them is the masters tournament so they they put up these tv towers that cover the Cover the you know give TV coverage for the holes. There's no wires that can be seen anywhere. If you go to a normal golf course or a normal PGA tournament, they'll erect temporary towers, and then you'll see the 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 cabling go back and forth between you know where 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 the control room is and where the TV uh, TV cameras are. But here they've buried those, so they they run run down the middle of of the big pole, and then they're buried. So they're not, they're not seen, which is really impressive. And they're green. They, you know, these are dark green, so they don't, they don't show up. uh, They don't show up on TV. Um, The other thing, and if you play golf, I don't know, Henry, but if you take a sand shot, I don't know if you've ever, you've taken a sand shot before out of a bunker. um, You know, what it does, it sprays sand where, where the golfer is hitting. And after their shot and after that group leaves that hole, they've got these guys with these like 10 foot sticks. They look like bamboo sticks that go from thick to thin and they'll go over to the grass and they'll move these sticks around, which will knock that white sand mm-hmm. into the grass so it doesn't show up on TV. So it, it it gives that that green area or around this bunker that gives it that pristine green look that, uh, you know, so that it does, doesn't look like it looks brand new. It doesn't look like it's been used. But that that was an interesting touch that I saw uh, that they that that they do, uh, which was good. Um, so all the food, all the vending that's sold there, like if you buy a sandwich, it's really famous to have egg salad and pimento cheese sandwiches. That's kind of their traditional, uh, food that they, they serve, but, um, there, there's other things you can buy as well. But, um, when, when you buy a egg salad sandwich, for example, it's wrapped in a green, a green wrapper and the green wrapper is so that if for some reason it doesn't end up in the trash, um, you know, you can, it's not going to show up on TV. So that's, that's another thing that they do to kind of, you know, make sure that the environment looks pristine. The other thing about prices, it's unbelievable. I mean, a price of a egg salad sandwich is $1.50. Wow. And if you want an ice cream sandwich is $3, a cup of coffee is a dollar. I mean, it's really inexpensive to, to buy food there, which is kind of a, a dichotomy uh, to some extent.
0: Yeah. I mean, it could very easily be gouging people and it is what it is, right? You're going to come anyway.
1: Yeah. You're going to come anyway, but it's just, it's really cool. You know, it's a nice, nice environment for that. Now you can go, there's like a restaurant that's on site there on the back end of the golf course that you can, you can apply, you know, you can get a day pass for, which is astronomically expensive. And, uh, it's it. Right. Right. But that's, that's an exclusive experience. So they've got the exclusive and then they got, you know, they've got the, the concessions for everyone else. So
0: but, but here's where that ties in also. You know, they call the visitors patrons. Where you see people misexecute on this or fail on this is that that lack of congruency. You don't call me a patron and then charge me ten dollars for a sandwich, right? And so there's that consistency that they execute on. That is what really comes through. You can pretend on some of these things. But it's the how you consistently execute that's why you walked away with such an yeah. impression.
1: Yeah, it, it was it, it was amazing to watch them execute on that. Um, so a couple of other things. They've got a gift shop, huge gift shop, where people spend a lot of their time. But next door, you know, when people buy things, then it's like, what do you do with your stuff? Do you carry them around in bags? Well, you can walk next door, and there's a UPS office that you can mail your stuff home in. So they literally have tractor-trailer loads of shipment each day during the masters week of items that people buy but they made it very convenient which which is really an interesting it's a, it's a great business idea because they make millions and millions of dollars one of the big big money makers is is um selling items there in the gift shop uh, the, the 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 pro shop you can't buy those items anywhere else you cannot buy a masters shirt really? anywhere okay. else you can only buy it there at augusta so when you see somebody with a with a little uh uh the US symbol with with a with mm-hmm. a flag in it right there at Augusta and it's yellow, that that was only purchased at Augusta. Now whether somebody sold it on eBay or not, might be a different story. But uh, but you know what it did is it made me a little less worried about what I was buying, uh, because I knew I could ship it home, mm-hmm. which which was good. So it was it was a nice yeah. nice way to to uh you know we're really really convenient they made it very convenient for us to do that and and you know, obviously you know people probably buy a little bit more than they normally would because they're not having to carry it home which is good
0: absolutely you know and and in, in the way we can apply that to retail and other businesses generally people talk about reducing the friction so take take out of the equation Any reason I might think, well, it's not convenient or it's not easy. The easier we make it for people to buy from us, the more
1: likely they will. No, I noticed that part of it, that probably people are spending a little bit more than they normally would. So another, we talked about the grounds, how pristine the grounds were. And obviously they use a lot of pine straw, you know, laid down. The azaleas, you know, they'll actually cover the azaleas the weeks before so they can get them to bloom just right. Hmm. The other thing that a lot of people, I don't know if if you're you're a golfer, you probably know this, but Augusta uses ryegrass. So ryegrass is a cool weather grass. And that's why the golf course looks so green. If you've ever seen it on TV, it just has like a really bright, bright green to it. Uh, because the golf course is really only open for golfing to its members from November to maybe the end of May, beginning of June. And then the golf course just goes brown. I see. And so d- during the summer months, I it's see. not being used at all because, you know, it's it's brown. So, um, and then they'll, they'll get work on it again. They'll get it going and, uh, you know, open it up in October, November timeframe for the members. So that's you know that 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 emphasis on making sure it looks as good as it possibly can during that week is something you can tell that they're they're good at. I will say so uh the the when i when I got there early in the morning, we got there super early you know we, we were one of the first groups that got in. They've got a rule that you can't run, so um do you know the camping chairs that uh that you can buy that the foldable camping chairs they're the version that the masters sells really pretty pretty inexpensively. Um, and, um, what you can do is you can take that chair and you can put it anywhere on the golf course you want. And so you'll see people put, uh, you know, get their chairs and, and, and it's called the, the, the master's waddle. And so people will waddle to their spot when it first (laughs) opens and everybody's kind of got their own spot where they like to put their chairs and you can put down your camping chair and you, you open it up and put it down and, you know, got a little name tag in the back of your chair. And then you can wander the golf tournament, uh, the whole whole place. So you can wander wherever you want to go. And then your chair will be there for you when you get back. And it's a nice, you know, it's a real courteous and, and really nice thing that you can do. So we, we got a couple chairs and put them on the 18th green so we can watch the finish of the golf tournament. And we wandered around that day. But uh, it's re- really an interesting contract. But there's no running. I mean, people do not run. You're not allowed to run. And so uh, you'll see people waddle to their space as quickly as they can to kind of get their chair where they want it, uh, which is neat. So I want to interject here because
0: you've mentioned a couple of times rules that they have for their guests, for their patrons, for their customers. And it's interesting because immediately what it makes me think about is we we tend to have gone to some extent in, in some environments to the the customer can do anything, right? And I don't want to get off too far on a tangent about entitlement, but but we know that people can behave rather badly uh, at our businesses. And, and we've kind of have developed this idea that, well, you just got to take it or you're going to end up with a bad review. But what they're saying and what they're doing is no, that there are rules for both sides. We're going to offer you and provide you this experience, but you have rules that you have to adhere to to participate.
1: Right. Yeah. And I I think that's reasonable. I think in this day and age, I don't, you know, maybe when you think about what the customer is always right, where did that originate or come from? I think it came from a different time. I I think civility was different. I think, I think, I think there were social norms. I I don't think, I think now it's more, people feel more appropriate to take their frustrations out on somebody who's serving them. And maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, that wasn't, was was not, was unheard of. You know, we're very unheard of. And so, agreed. And I mean, if we look at
0: businesses like our car wash business, or even the the frozen self uh, self serve desserts business, where we have contact, and the car wash business in particular, where people can get so upset about a damage or perceived damage to their car, um, again, it, it's interesting what what we can think about and take away here that there are there are rules that that our customers should abide by as well. And 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 it's very interesting, you know, the the no running, I'm sure has multiple reasons. One is just from an overall etiquette, but probably so that people don't get hurt trampling themselves, trying to go see Tiger Woods, Uh, all of those things come into play, but they, but they adhere to those rules. You had talked about some other rules that if the cell phone rule, talk to us about that, that there's like a zero tolerance there, if I understood you correctly.
1: Right, right. So they have a rule that you're not allowed to bring cell phones on site. And that's just the bottom line. Leave your cell phones in your car. Don't even bring them. Don't even bring them in is what they tell you. Now, if you get caught with a cell phone, which, which has happened, uh, if you get caught with a cell phone, the, the credentials that you have get permanently pulled. Hmm. So if you've got tickets that have been in your family for the last 30 years, and a lot of people have had tickets 50 years wow. in their family or longer. Um, you know, those credentials get pulled and there's no questions, there's no discussion, you know, they'll take your credential and your credential is actually a plastic badge that you've got to have visible at all times, uh, either either like with a lanyard and you stick it in a plastic pouch or you've got to have it on your coat or whatever, but you're going to have your credentials uh, available and visible at any time. They will, they will yank it and that's it. And that's done. Mm-hmm. And so everybody understands that that's the rule. Yeah. And if you think you're smarter than the rules or you think you'll be able to get away with it, or if you brought your, you snuck your phone in, because you're told 40 times before you get in there, don't bring your phone in. If you decided to sneak your phone in and start snapping pictures, if you were not that bright, or even if your phone went off, that's it. You're done. Yeah. And so it's a, you know, every, it's, it's a, it's a rule that 99 point, you know, 999, 9% of people respect. And it makes for a great experience. I can't tell you how nice it was, for us to sit in the bleachers and actually visit with people all day long. <laughs> um, you know, find out where they're from, you know, when, when did they come, how many days did, were they there talking about their golfing experience? I got to know more people just by sitting there than, than I normally do because nobody had their cell phones. It just, just made the experience so much better. I'm sure it made it better for, made it better for me. It made it better for the crowd. It made it better for the, for the players, it was, a, it was an absolutely incredible environment because there were no cell phones. Everybody was concentrated on talking with each other and focused on watching the terminal. Yeah,
0: I love that. I love that. And again, for our listeners, you can take that and apply it in so many ways. The rules that we set for our employees, what we're willing to accept from our customers, I'll leave for you to, um, to think about and, and translate.
1: Uh, what else was that? Did we get through your list, the top ten list? Or? No, we've got I think we've got one okay, more sorry. thing here. One thing that I found out I didn't realize is there's no you can't be wearing a logo that's large enough for, for T V to be able to Interesting. see. Interesting. So you could have a small logo on your shirt if you wanted, but you can't have like a big logo on a jacket or a big logo on your back. They're very restrictive about that, uh that you can't can't uh you know, you can't have any logos. You can't be wearing any logos. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think that's reasonable. I mean, they're, they're sure, they're, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're
0: they're putting on a show that's being televised, and that's that's how they monetize this, obviously. And uh, so they're they're trying to create a, an environment where again, we don't have something that contradicts what somebody else has paid for, or is offensive, or is putting forth something that has nothing to do with the event.
1: Yeah, there, 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 there's there's nothing logoed there except masters. So even the food that you're eating is private labeled. So the the moon pie that you might buy is private labeled as a master's, you know, moon pie. Although you probably can figure out who made it. Sure. Um, you know, the 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 beer that you're drinking is either like uh, craft beer, you know, it could be foreign beer. They had a craft beer, a foreign beer, and they had a domestic beer and a domestic light beer, and that's what they called it. So, you, being that Pete Coors is is a member of of Augusta. You know, we might be able to figure out what type of beer it is. <laughs> But 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 it's not labeled, so they're, they they don't they don't sell sponsorships to anything within the tournament, which is which is pretty cool too. So you don't get this big dose of commercialization when you walk in, you know, of Coca Cola. I'm sure that people would love to sponsor oh this goodness. thing, yeah. But uh, but you know, it's not you know they 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 don't allow it, and they just don't allow it, and they they'll buy their product, but it's going to be private labeled. Yeah, very exclusive. All right. So
0: I want to come back to a couple of things we've touched on, but this attention to detail is one of the threads through everything that you've talked about. Just, just the thought and the attention to detail willing to, and of course it, it's hard to translate because of course they've got a tremendous budget by comparison to what I have as a small business owner. But, but one of the takeaways for me is, and we've tried to do this as best we can in our businesses is to spend the money on those details even though it seems like it's not necessary. It could be as simple as, you know, how much how much time or money do I spend on keeping the tunnel clean and, and power washed? Or what attention do I spend on the, the back of the house at our yogurt shop? Or, you know, those little things or how the paint looks or how the details look. I believe, and in my experience, and I know you agree as well, and you experienced it here at the Masters, is that that sets a tone for everybody, not just your customer, but for your employees as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think the interesting thing about attention to deal, I think there's three types of people. There's probably people that don't care, don't notice. And I think that's a pretty small percentage of the population. But I think the larger percentage of the population will say, this was a good experience. Now they might not be able to tell you why it was a good experience, but they'll tell you this was a good experience. And I think it's a result of attention to detail. You know, it's a little, result
0: of all of those little things that add up to create, just like you said, what that customer says is a great experience. It's all right. of those little things add up. I am convinced, for example, at our yogurt shop, that the reason people will tell us our yogurt tastes better than others is it's the 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 whole sum of it all. It's the experience. It's the customer service. It's the cleanliness. It's the environment. It's the smells or lack of bad odors. It's it's all of it combined that creates that experience.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that's I think that's the vast majority of people. And on the other end of the spectrum from the people that don't care are guys like you and I, who are very aware of attention to detail. Yeah. And we'll notice those attentions to detail, which enhances our experience overall experience and we're kind of more conscious competence when it comes to attention to detail and what they're doing and why they're doing it, it really enhances our experience. But we understand why, as opposed to the person that just has a great experience, but doesn't really understand why.
0: Agreed. And I challenge all of our listeners who are business owners or aspiring business owners that that's something you have to develop when you travel, when you visit, when you go places look for those things because that's how you're always learning. What what can I apply? What can I bring to my environment, to my business, including something you touched on, which is all of this is part of, and I get from Disney as well, which is putting on a show. We often will even use those words with our employees that you're on stage, you're putting on a show, even though our car wash operation isn't being televised, our customers are observing it all. They're taking it all in Whether it's consciously or not, they're taking it all in. So that concept of putting on a show is another huge takeaway, I think, from this experience.
1: Right. Agreed. Agreed. So one other thing I'll point out, and then I'll kind of be the end of my list, but I forgot to talk about this when I talk about the traditions of golf. Most golf tournaments will have electronic scoreboards. So look at these big TV screens that they'll put up at different strategic points around the golf course where you can follow what the golfers are doing and how they're scoring. And Augusta doesn't have that. They've got the old manual scoreboards, I guess, as you would call it, kind of like the old uh, the baseball stadiums. Now, some baseball stadiums have manual scoreboards where people are giving updates on scores, but uh, they have these manual scoreboards. And so what's interesting is you'll be sitting at a hole and you hear a cheer somewhere down the line, you're thinking, Oh, that might be 16 and it might be tiger woods. You know, he might've just birdied or whatever. (laughs) And you don't know because A, you don't have access to your phone and B, the guys that are doing the scoreboard like to play a little game, you know? So all of a sudden you'll, you'll see the, you'll see the white part for hole 16 come out and they'll have it sitting there for 10 seconds or so. (laughs) And then they'll, and then they'll put the, uh, the score in for that particular hole for that player Everybody goes, oh, you know, you hear the the groans or the claps or whatever it is. But just having that traditional scoreboard kind of increases the, the suspense and enhances the suspense part of the tournament because you don't have any idea what else is going on, you know, at anywhere else along the golf course, except for if you're in front of one of those manual scoreboards and you're getting the information, you know, it's delayed information. So you're not getting it right away. And it kind of increases that 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 overall experience. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: I mean, they're telling a story and they're including you in the story. And and again, back to the point of nobody having cell phones, it's it's amazing how now the crowd reacts together and it just changes the whole dynamic of the overall experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to, to tie in our yoga shop, one of the girls I was sitting next to was, lived in Colorado Springs for a that's couple right. years. And she, I said, I own Itopit. She goes, oh, that's great. I love Itopit. So, you know, that's a conversation I might have never had if I had my cell phone. it's incredible. It was kind of, kind of funny to talk about, you know, it, she, she had, she had been to our place and, and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So those, those type of conversations, but her family. Her family works one of the scoreboards, so they get together every year and they've got, they've got like the seventh green scoreboard or whatever it is. And they work it as a family uh, for, for an entire week and different members of the family might come at the beginning of the week and certain members might have to go home and other members come in. So they've kind of made it a family tradition to, to volunteer, but they've kind of got their spot in what they do. Mm. Interesting, very interesting.
0: All right, so I, I think uh, and you touched on this already, uh, but I would summarize all of this, and you will as well, as a great example of de- delivering a remarkable experience. And we we focus on this. We've done episodes on this on on trying to deliver consistently on remarkable customer service or remarkable experience. That's what we try to do at our businesses. And my takeaways from your sharing this uh, this experience is all of those little things are what add up. Now, what makes it harder for us, of course, that uh, you can easily say or dismiss is, well, they only have to do it for a short period of time. But there's a lot of takeaways there, I think, that we can apply to our businesses where we're trying to execute on delivering remarkable experiences every day to every customer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was... And I mean, I I couldn't tell enough people. If I found somebody that was even remotely interested yeah. <laughs> in golf, I would tell them this whole story. This, this right. was incredible. I mean, e- even, I mean, I didn't tell you about the greens, for example. They've got a whole suction and air blowing system that they put in all their greens to keep the greens cool and to take the water out. It was millions of dollars. You know, they made this, but I, I would tell everybody everything if I could get them to remotely even listen to me about what this was about. And perfect example of remarkable customer service. I was, I was willing to tell others. I wanted to tell others about what was going on. So,
0: yeah. And that's the definition of remarkable that you will tell others. You have to tell others about this experience. Right. Right. Great example. Wonderful. Great. Thanks for sharing that experience, David. Thanks Thanks, for, yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Great takeaways here. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast and you can find more information and other links. We didn't mention anything specifically that there's a link to, but you can always find more at the show notes page for this episode at our website. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the how of car washing for more information, links, and other resources, please visit the and leave us a comment. If you have a topic you would like discussed, Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.